You're listening to Minimalish, a podcast where we talk about simplifying our stuff, our lives, our motherhood, all in a realistic way so that we can make room for what matters. We're not here for perfectly tidy homes or seeing how much we can possibly declutter. We're here for living with less. Realistically, it's going to look different for all of us, but we're not really focused on how our version of minimalism looks anyways. We're focused on how it feels. I'm your host, Desiree. I'm a mom to two and on my own journey of living with a little less clutter so I can have more space for an intentional life. I'm no expert, and I like to think of this as a corner of the internet where we're learning and growing together. So let's walk towards a more simple and intentional life. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to Minimalish. Today, I am doing our July quarterly Q&A, and I always really love these Q&A episodes. They are fun for me to kind of see what you want to hear more of and what you all want to hear specifically from me. If you are a regular listener of the show, then you know that I am not some kind of like minimalism expert or minimalism police And I am not all about minimalism for the sake of minimalism. Rather, I'm on this journey with you. And I have been on this journey since early 2018, which is crazy to think about the years that have passed. So when I answer these questions, they're coming from my perspective, my experience on the journey. But that doesn't mean they are the answer, right? These are are just simply my perspective, my thoughts. And I like to preface these more personal Q&A episodes with that. Today, most of the questions that I got were kid-based. So we're going to do a Q&A that is really looking at kid stuff. And I'm excited about it because I know, I don't know about you, but the influx of stuff that always comes into my house, it's typically kid stuff. And the most clutter that is still living in my house typically is kid stuff. So It's the kid stuff that is the biggest struggle here, and maybe you feel the same. Before we get started on today's episode, I do want to mention that on Monday, July 17th, so if you're listening to this on the day it comes out or the weekend it comes out, on Monday, July 17th, we are starting a content decluttering challenge. So you can really think of this as like a social media decluttering challenge, but we're going to declutter more than just our social media feeds. We are also going to declutter our email inbox and our podcast feeds, just kind of anything digitally that we, anywhere we consume content, we're going to deal with those areas. And then we're also going to work on our habits around how often we're on our phones consuming content. If you didn't listen to our last episode, you can go there now and hear all about why we're doing this. But basically, you know, we can become overwhelmed, distracted due to being on our phone so much due to the mass amount of information that comes at us from the internet. Our brains were not meant to take in this much stuff in such short periods of time. And so we're going to deal with that. We're not going to say like we have to throw it all out because that's not realistic for the world that we're living in, but we are going to declutter and we are going to decide what less looks like for us in this area of life. And I'm really excited about this because we have not done a community challenge in the minimalist community in like three years. So we used to do them more often and more are coming. So I'm really excited about that. But this is where we're starting 
this is an area that I am really excited to declutter along with you. So if you want to join us, you can head to DesireEndries.com slash content declutter. That link will be in the show notes. And by the way, if you tried to access the link last week, I had to fix it like halfway through last Thursday. So if you couldn't access it before, it is up and running now. And I am looking forward to seeing you in that challenge. Okay, so let's get to our Q&A. The first question I got is actually a very common question in the minimalism world. I'm sure I've talked about this in some way, shape, or form on the podcast before, but I don't know if I've ever done like a full-on episode on it. And it is, do you deal with clutter from family and in-laws, old toys, gifts, etc.? If so, how do you approach it? So basically, this is kind of a question about gifts. Like, what do we do when other people are bringing the clutter into our homes? Because we can control what we bring into our homes, but not necessarily what other people outside of our immediate family are bringing into our homes. My answer for this is one, yes. I definitely get a lot from family. And it's not me necessarily getting a lot from family, but my girls they get a lot from grandparents. And I'm sure you might be able to relate to this because from the way that the conversations in my inbox and my Instagram DMs look, this is a common topic. And it seems like many of us in this minimalist community have family members who like to spoil our kids. So let me share how I approach this. For us, so much of the kids stuff that enters our home is not purchased by me. (laughs) Clothes and toys, like 90% of it or more, it is not purchased by me. And for that, I'm grateful for. I'm really grateful that I don't spend a lot of money on kids stuff, yet we still have more than enough. So first and foremost, when it comes to this issue, I try to lean on gratitude. When things are seeming to get a bit cluttery around here, when it comes to an influx of kids stuff, toys, clothes, whatever it might be, I lean on gratitude that I have people in our life that love on our kids. And one way they do that is by bringing them stuff. And would I choose to have less of that stuff sometimes? Yes, I would. But for many people, I do realize that gifts is a way that they know how to show love, whether it's the way that we would choose to receive that love or not. So I like to take the approach of gratitude and then take the simplest approach in dealing with this stuff and dealing just with this whole dynamic. I like to take the simplest approach possible because I have this philosophy that people and relationships are more important than our minimalism. And this issue really does deal with relationships, right? Because there's this tension of people are bringing stuff into our home and we are trying to live with less. But when we kind of live by this principle, or at least I do, it doesn't mean that you have to, that people are more important than my minimalism or my minimalism goal, whatever you want to call it. It just takes the stress off because If people and relationships are more important, then I'm not going to feel like I really need to have a conversation with someone about the stuff that they're bringing in, or I really need to control the way that people are giving stuff to my kids. It's really not a huge issue for me. I mean, there are times of year where I try to think through it a little bit more, like Christmas, when I know a lot of stuff is coming into our home, and I know that family members are going to be spending their money on my kids. 
During that time of year, I might be a little more strategic about it and have conversations and make Christmas lists, but in the grand scheme of things, it becomes less of a stressor to me because I'm just not so worried about it. So with that said, because I'm taking that type of approach, which is a non-confrontational approach, a peaceful approach, because I'm taking that approach, the stuff does come into my house. So then what? I take the simple approach of thanking that person for the stuff and then letting that item take up space in my home for as long as it is useful to us. When our next maintenance declutter comes around of toys or kids clothes, then we will reevaluate. Does this item still fit? Does this item get played with? And if not, then we donate. So I try to simplify it as much as possible because it can be very stressful when we are trying to control the amount of stuff in our homes, when we are trying to build new systems and change the way we consume and declutter the stuff in our homes. It adds a whole nother layer when we try to control others and the way that they bring stuff into our home. So I, I just try to take that off the table and simplify it by having this system of just let that thing live in my home until it either takes up too much space or does not any longer serve a purpose in my home. Would my home be less cluttered if I tried to control this a little bit more? Sure, it would. But I think my relationships with the people who do want to gift my kids stuff, those relationships are just more important to me than having a fully, perfectly uncluttered home. That would never happen anyways because we've got mess and people that live here and kids. So here's the thing. I know there are different dynamics when it comes to this issue in different homes and in different relationships. There are circumstances that are different for all of us. Like I've heard stories of spiteful mother-in-laws who come to your house asking for asking to see the gift that they bought your kids like a year ago and asking where that is that they bought them like I've heard these stories and I've also heard people who buy stuff for your kids out of spite for you wanting to live more simply like those aren't the family dynamics that I'm thinking of here but I know those exist we all have to evaluate our own situations and choose what makes the most sense for us Sometimes we might need to put a boundary up. Sometimes we might need to have a conversation with someone in our family and see where that takes us. But in most situations, I lean towards keeping the peace. This is not the end of the world that we get gifts from people, right? In most cases, it's a nice thing, a kind gesture. Any item that comes into your home, whether bought by you or brought in by someone else, it doesn't have to stay there forever. So Remember that. This is a big mindset shift for many of us. We don't just have to let things sit around our house just because we bought them or just because someone else bought them for us. Those things stay in our homes as they are still useful for us, and then we can let go of them. And so those are the things I remind myself of when I think, oh, yet another stuffed animal is coming in or yet another outfit is coming in. And, you know, most of the time, with clothes, I truly am grateful because kids grow out of stuff so fast and we're always cycling through clothes here. But, you know, another stuffed animal when we have a huge bin of them, of course, I'm going to do like a mental like, oh, <laughs> here we go with this. How long until the stuffed animals are taking over the entire house again? At this rate, it will be soon. But I try to just let it go and know that my systems in maintenance decluttering will keep it all at bay. 
and prioritize the people, prioritize those relationships with the people who are blessing my kids with stuff. Although it might not be our idea of a fun time to add another toy to the household, it is our kids' idea of a fun time. So I try not to get frustrated. I try to remind myself of that, that I can let go of control in this area a little bit and everything will be okay. Another thing that I'll note is it's not that I've never had these conversations with people who bring stuff into our homes. I have had conversations about minimalism with my family before, especially my close family. They know my values, and I do recommend talking with people about why you're decluttering or why you're pursuing living with less, but not necessarily for the reason to like control the way that they bring stuff into your home, but rather to just share with them, you know, something that's important to you. So After years of these conversations, I noticed that many people who are close to me, they are more intentional, or at least they ask first about what my kids might need before they bring stuff in, at least in some categories of the stuff. Or maybe they just think twice about how much to bring us. It doesn't mean that it solves the whole thing. It doesn't work perfectly, but it's good to share our values with others. And it has seemed to have a positive effect, at least for me over the years when I keep these conversations positive and when I keep them focused on just sharing something about my life rather than trying to control the person the other person if that makes sense keeping the air clean in my home is important to me we have a pet we have seasonal allergies in our house so to remedy that and get cleaner air inside our house it's really important to me And according to the EPA, indoor air can be as much as 100 times more polluted than outdoor air. That's why I'm so grateful for Air Doctor to be the sponsor of this show. We breathe around 30,000 gallons of air per day. And Air Doctor filters out dangerous contaminants and allergens like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold so that your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor uses an ultra HEPA filter that's been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested bacteria and viruses. It also makes the air smell fresher from stinky gym clothes to chemical cleaning products. Air Doctor is always on call to keep your air fresh and clean. I personally have our Air Doctor in our main living area. We have this large room that is where my dog lives most of his life and where us as a family spend most of our time. I can feel the difference when it's on and it's great because it's so quiet most of the time that you don't even know it's on. It's also helped us tremendously through the bad air quality we were experiencing here in Pennsylvania because of the Canadian wildfires. It smelled like a bonfire outside of my house because of these wildfires and Air Doctor kept it smelling fresh in my house. The classic Air Doctor 3000 purifier is powerful enough to circulate the air in a 630 plus square foot room four times per hour. It's time to get peace of mind with Air Doctor. Air Doctor comes with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MINIMALISH and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. Lock in this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code MINIMALISH. One last time, that's up to 39% off or up to $300 off if you go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code MINIMALISH.
Okay, so the next question is going to be a shorter answer here. Um, do you keep it minimal with outdoor toys in the summer? And what are some favorites? So this is a short answer because I think we do keep it pretty minimal. So I don't really have a full list of toys to recommend. But I do think we keep it pretty minimal outside. I have had years when it seems like there's more stuff outside, more things with wheels than other years. And we do have, you know, a couple like ride-on toys and bikes and things like that, which we typically keep in our garage. But for the most part, we have a water table. We have a playhouse that we got secondhand when Gemma was one and it's still around. It's still kicking. <laughs> and we do have a small blow-up pool and a little sprinkler splash pad that can just like be folded away and stored away in the house when not in use. And then we use, we have chalk. It's another one that we use regularly. So those are all the outdoor things that I can think of that we use regularly and that we have. I think I always like the idea of outdoor toys, like those huge blow up like splash pad things or bouncy houses, like those things look really fun and like they would occupy my kids for hours. But when it comes down to it, I feel like anytime I set up some kind of outdoor activity, it doesn't encourage more outdoor play like I thought it would. So the more outdoor stuff that I have does not correlate with more outdoor play. And that's what I would think it would do in my head. It's like, oh, if we get this really fun gadget for outside, then that means my kids will play outside more. When my daughter is playing outside for like hours and hours at a time, it seems like she just brings her inside toys outside and plays with them in a different, more creative way outside than she would inside, or she just plays with like flowers and rocks and dirt. So I've learned that along the way, and I, I do keep it minimal because of that. Also, outdoor toy storage is not always easy, and if you forget to put things away, they get ruined or gross. So I'm, I just, we keep it very minimal these days when it comes to outdoor toys. Okay, the third question is, what is your approach for keeping baby stuff for future kids? For this question, I'm going to share what I do and then I'm going to share just some like general advice because what I do might be different than what you do because of the space that spatial differences that we have for storing things and also just what our family dynamics look like. So right now I am decluttering baby items right away as we grow out of them because growing our family isn't really on the radar right now. With that in mind, I I have kept a handful of like special sentimental items that either both of my kids used, like a onesie that Gemma came home from the hospital in and that Juna also wore at some point. And then I have one of Juna's little sleep sacks that she slept in all the time when she was a little baby that made her look like a starfish. And I don't know, I just can't come to get rid of it right now, which is fine because it's one small thing. I don't have that mindset about all the baby things. It's just a couple of things that I'm keeping. And whether or not I even like why I'm keeping them and how long I'll keep them, I don't know. Just right now, I don't feel ready to get rid of this handful of sentimental items that I've kind of gathered. What I'm doing with the baby items that we are getting rid of is I'm handing many of them down to a friend. I'm donating a lot of them using the Buy Nothing group to donate a lot of them right as we grow out of them. Now, from the perspective of wanting to grow your family, and I'm going to kind of share what I did when I just had one kid. So with my older daughter's stuff, as she grew out of it, 
And as I knew that we'd probably have another kid at some point, first of all, we did not keep much stuff because I knew there would be a larger gap between our kids just because that's what we wanted. And we moved a lot. So it just felt silly to keep moving all of these big baby items when we didn't even know when we were having another one. So that was our mindset around it. But when it came to like baby clothes that I wanted to keep, things that were reasonable to be able to move with us, I gave myself a spatial boundary of one bin per year. Now, as the years have gone on, Gemma is now five, going on six, I do not have six bins of kids' clothes. I do not keep one bin of clothes per year. I have one, I actually have two bins, but they're like both half full. (laughs) I need to reorganize them. Of younger toddler clothes, like one to two-year-old sizes. And then I have one larger bin that just has like three, four three and four-year-old, maybe two-year-old clothes as well, and a ton of shoes. I have kept shoes and more expensive things like winter gear and things like that. So as I declutter my kids' clothes, and I know that I do have a kid that will grow into them one day, as I declutter their clothes, I keep in mind that I don't know what size my kid, my younger one will be at different seasons. I don't know if she'll fit into these things in the right seasons, but if the item is still in great condition if it is something that we loved, or if it's something that didn't get much use at all, that could is almost brand new, we keep those things. And it really comes out to like a grocery bag size of items that we keep. And that's it for pretty much every size or every, I should say, like each season. So what I'm trying to say is we don't keep much. And the reason for that is I do have kids that are pretty spaced out in age. They are four and a half plus years apart. And I don't plan on having another kid. So that is what works for me. And along the way, we've kind of just had to keep it minimal because of we didn't have a, a huge amount of storage in our last house. Now we have a ton of space for storage. But do I want to take up all that space with a bunch of bins of clothes and kid stuff? No, I do not. Because I will forget what's even in those bins, first of all. I know myself and I'm not a super organized person. I will forget. So what is the purpose of just keeping it there and taking up space? And then one day I'm going to have to go through it. So I'd rather just do the work now while I'm like putting laundry away and realizing that this stuff no longer fits my kid. I'd rather just declutter it and keep a few items than keep it all and one day have to go through it again and feel overwhelmed by it. Between Gemma and Juna, I did lend out baby items that like bigger baby items that came back to me and that we used. Since we did get rid of most of the bigger baby item, like swings and things like that, I was able to acquire most of that stuff for free or secondhand, very inexpensive. And I think that that is the most important thing to remember here. If you're not sure what it will look like to add to your family or, you know, when your next kid is coming, if you are in a small space and don't have a lot of space to store these big baby items... There are so many secondhand baby things out there, and a lot of times you can get them for free, like as a hand-me-down from a friend or on a buy-nothing group. People want to give away their baby stuff. It's so big and bulky, and I had no problem getting a lot of things without spending much money at all. So just keep that in mind. When it comes to toys, I do want to mention this because I kept very little baby toys because like I said, we moved so much. But once we got to the point where like some of the toys that Gemma still plays with 
are the same toys that she played with when she was three. And does she play with them as much as she did then? No. And I've thought about the idea of like, okay, well, should we just get rid of this stuff because she barely plays with it? But I know I do have a baby who is growing into those things. And these are things like playhouses, like we have a bluey playhouse and things like that. We do not have an excess of toys. Some, my husband would disagree with that, but to me, it does not look like an excess of toys. Like, yes, our playroom gets messy, but it's not because we don't have the space to store the toys. Like they can all be put away pretty quickly and back into their separate bins. So I'm not in a rush to get rid of that stuff because I know that my younger one will probably play with it. And if not, we'll get rid of it then when I realize she doesn't care about it, then we'll get rid of it. But I have kept kind of like those toddler toys that kind of grow for a few years with them. I have kept those around. So that is what I've done. But my biggest advice for this is to declutter or keep items based on a few different questions that you can ask yourself. The first question is, do you have immediate plans to add to your family? When will that be happening? Or when do you plan for that to happen? Now, immediate plan does not mean like it has to happen today. It just means, do you know in the near future you want to add to your family? If so, maybe you'll be keeping more stuff. If not, maybe you'll pass it on um, for a while and maybe you'll just lend it out or maybe you will donate it and know that you can acquire things whenever you need them for cheap or free secondhand. The second question is how much space do you have to store things? This is probably the most important one. And the biggest reason why we did get rid of baby things in the first place is because we moved a lot and moving big bulky baby items, like I said, it seems unnecessary when we weren't going to have a baby anytime soon. Three, based on the answers to these two questions, what spatial boundaries can you give of yourself um, to keep yourself at bay <laughs> with the baby items? So like I said, in the beginning, I had that spatial boundary of one bin per year of clothes. So, you know, ideally her one-year-old clothes would be in one bin, her two-year-old clothes would be in another bin, three in a third bin. But I realized that was way too much. I did not need that much. But still, it was a spatial boundary that I gave myself in the beginning. So what spatial boundary can you give yourself that is going to fit the space you have and fit the purpose like of what growing your family is going to look like in the coming future. So that is all for today's Q&A. I hope you enjoyed it. I also got a question about decluttering food. I'm not really sure what that question meant, but it made me want to talk about meal planning because we have been doing some things different over this past year and it has been a game changer. So I'm going to share about that soon, not on this Q&A because I feel like it's its whole own episode. So you can look for that in the coming month or so here. But that is all I have for this episode. And I am so grateful you're here. Thank you for asking questions for those of you that did. If you ever have a question for these quarterly Q&As, you can send them to my email at any time. You can find me at hi at DesireeAndries.com or I usually put up a question box at Instagram on Instagram at some point, but I know it's easy to miss that. And then in my email newsletter is where I usually send out just a quick announcement that the Q&A is coming soon. So that is at minimalish.substack.com. You can get on that newsletter list. Thank you again for being here, for listening in, and I will talk to you right back here again on the next episode.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.